With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by River Wind Casino. OU's going to the SEC in 2024, and the Sooners have seven guys going to the NFL Combine. We recap an epic Super Bowl 57, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, February 15th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of February, all you have to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Did you have a good Valentine's Day, Ted? Everything go well? Everything was good. Can't complain. Good times. Uh, we're able to watch the game at the house for on Valentine's Day, so it was all, all good. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Sooners got a nice win on the hardwood, a much-needed win. But any Valentine's Day traditions? You guys do anything? Like anything you – nothing? Nope. No, not really. Um, I don't know exactly why that is, but I guess it's more focused on our son than it is anything. He he always gets a bunch of goodies and stuff. So that's really where it's, where it's been focused over the years. Yeah. My, my wife handed my son like this big gift basket and I kind of was like, nothing for me we're all good no but i didn't i didn't say a word i was like okay yeah this is what we go and eat at tucker's every year so you know keep it simple real real nice fancy dinner hey that place is it doesn't have to be super fancy to be great and that place is awesome yeah so we keep it pretty simple so to all of you out there that didn't keep it simple and took a financial hit last night 
Mm. We're thinking of you. We're thinking of you. And hey, hopefully it paid off. Hopefully it paid off. <laughs> All right, let's talk some OU football. You and I, we had maintained the position that we we believed OU was going to be in the SEC in 2024. And maintaining that position paid off, Ted, because <laughs> it is it's now official, right? An announcement came late last week. When when it finally was made official, what, what was your reaction, man? Well, uh, you know, I started to hear some stuff from some folks that that it was that it was imminent. It was going to be announced in the in in the next like really really soon. So I was uh, I was excited, man. I'm glad to to finally have you know a concrete date and time and to make this thing official. And it's not going to be easy, man. There's still there's still a lot of moving parts behind it. You know, there's there's some dollar figures and moving money around and, you know, all of that stuff is not easy. But to be able to get to a point where everyone can can be, you know, at least happy enough to allow this thing to happen a year early. I, I think it's awesome. And, you know, I think it for the football team, you know, it's been something that Venables has talked about since he accepted the job and. You know, I think it's something that you're going to be able to take to recruits right away. Instead of like this distant time where it may happen, you've got a concrete date, and they're going to be able to go to this this recruiting class that they've started working on now for the for the 24 group, and say, hey, you know, this this is going to be our first SEC uh, freshman class. So I, I think that that's big. I think you know you can sit here and talk about the positives all day long. So I'm I'm thrilled. Yeah, so the the big hurdle it, it seemed like was Fox, right? Ma- making them feel like they had been made whole and when you look at all the reporting about what it took to get done, OU in Texas will forego 100 million dollars of revenue distribution from the Big 12. Reportedly Fox will get 20 million of that 100 million and the remaining 80 million will be divided among the eight remaining members of the Big 12 to kind of pay for the expansion. And then really just one other thing it seems like Texas is is going to travel to Ann Arbor in 2024 and the Wolverines are going to come to Austin in I believe 2027 and originally it was supposed to be the opposite. And, and the reason for that is that game will in all likelihood, now be played on Fox. So it it seems like everyone, from what I can tell, everyone is a winner in this thing. Uh, OU in Texas, they're they're getting what they want. They want to get to the SEC, right? Mm -hmm. I I think we are all, all OU fans, Texas fans, we're ready for that to happen. We've had enough of the awkwardness, right? And yeah, the the level of competition in football is going to ramp up. Everyone knows that, but it, you you got to get there. You got to just rip the bandaid off. Right. But seems like the big 12 is pleased with everything that they're getting. And if all Fox needed was 20 million and the Texas Michigan game in 2024, then I guess they feel good about it. It, it almost seemed like too good of a deal for OU in Texas. Uh, when I looked at it, I was like, huh, that's it. All right. Good deal. I, I 
I'm fine with it. Seems seems very reasonable. That was my initial reaction was, hey, seems like a pretty pretty good deal for everyone involved. Yeah, it is. I think the, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of, uh, it, it, there's a lot of money up front and it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be somewhat painful for, for University of Oklahoma to be able to, you know, to pony up, right? They, they got a lot of stuff going on right now. And, you know, the, the expenditures can't really slow down at this point. So it is, it is a, a little bit interesting there, but, uh, you know, the hope is that this move is, the the TV revenue is obviously it's a big thing, right? The move to the SEC with what you see in in the yearly payout that that's a big deal, but that's only a a piece of the story. The amount of money that you're going to be able to create locally, the interest in the football program being back up, uh, helping donations pour in, but the biggest factor enrollment. If you go to the SEC, you're able to have success on the football field and in other sports. The The feeling is that's really going to help enrollment tick up. And some people have, have forecasted in uh, up to 10,000 in enrollment that they would be able to add. And it doesn't take a whole lot of math to figure out how much more revenue that creates for the university. So there's a bunch of different revenue streams um, that can, that can come in if this thing goes well. Now you got to go out, you got to show well, you got to win football games. You can't just end up being another team in the sec. So we'll see. But, um, I think it's, I think it's awesome that it's going to happen. As you said, rip the bandaid off. Let's get this thing done. Uh, you know, it had to happen in my opinion and a lot of people's opinions because of the expanded playoff timing and, you know, USC, UCLA going to the big 10, that timing. So, it all just—it's a cleaner transition into, I guess, a new era of college football. Yeah, it—it it just feels like it lets almost everyone that's a college football fan like it's all happening at one time, right? We we can all get used to it together. And the, one of the more interesting things was a, a report that Brett McMurphy put out there that OU in Texas will actually not get a full share from the SEC in year one. And they'll actually receive less than $40 million, uh, the $40 million they would have received if they would have stayed in the Big 12 for one more year. But I I'm sure people hear that and are a little confused. Like, why why would Oklahoma do that? But it's it's all about what you just said, Ted. It's And I think it's pretty simple. OU's willing to do that because they know they're going to make up for it in ticket sales, donations, and you, you mentioned enrollment. The key is out-of-state enrollment. Yeah. Right? Yep. Where, where, where students are coming from far and wide now because OU is going to be playing SEC football. And I, I think that the leadership at OU looks at that entire situation and they go, you know what? I think we'll be fine. I, I, I think we'll uh, – We'll make up that deficit in, in other ways. And it's it's really important to keep your fan base happy. And just from some of the feedback that we've got on, you know, from comments on the podcast, comments on YouTube, like, oh, you fans, were they were fed up with being in the Big 12, right? So, oh, yeah. 
So I, I think that this also, it, it satisfies the fan base and it, it, it gets people really, really excited, not only for when 2024 rolls around, but I, I think this, I, I know it made me more excited for the 2023 season. Like, you know, it's the last year in the big 12 it's official. And, and for what it, it creates a little more buzz knowing that just like, okay, this is OU's last season in the big 12 conference. I, I don't know. It got my juices flowing a little more for this season. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, no doubt. Um, now, I think the share uh, situation is maybe the SEC financing part of that buyout for Oklahoma and Texas. And that's where it's coming from is that that share that they would have gotten. It's it's maybe pulled from it now, perhaps. And that's going to maybe knock down the number that they've got to come with with right away. Well, when you, when you think about the revenue distribution that OU and Texas aren't taking a significant portion of that, I imagine. Once again, I'm not an expert on all of this stuff, but I know that the TV partners write those big checks, right? Yeah. And that's where a lot of that revenue distribution comes from. So whether you want to say it's coming from ESPN or the SEC or whoever, like that piece that they would be getting from ESPN, uh, they're not taking. Right. So I'm I'm sure th- this is what I know. Joe Castiglione and Joe Harris wouldn't do the deal if it wasn't satisfactory for the University of Oklahoma. You know what I mean? Like they right. – They've showed some pretty good discipline and patience throughout this entire thing. So I, I don't think they would do it if they were getting a terrible deal in this whole thing. No. I, I really don't. I, I and Like we've talked about, the other, there's other streams, and I I don't even know what our schedule is going to be next year. And hopefully, I think by May, we'll have we'll know the format for what they're going to do, whether it's going to be uh, eight, nine, or maybe even 10, as we heard Sankey say, conference games with the SEC, mo- most likely going to be nine, either the one eight, uh, one permanent opponent, eight rotating, or three permanent and six rotating. I think we'll know that by May. And whatever it is, whenever you compare what our schedule is this fall compared to what it's going to be next fall, you'll see exactly why they were willing to, to fork over however much dollars it took to get this thing done because the amount of interest and money that's going to pour in locally from that is is going to be huge. Yeah. I it's going to be exciting, man. We're going to we're going to have to learn a lot of new stuff. I know. It's weird. We we found our comfort zone on here and we're going to have to like get get to know new people from all these different schools to have them onto the podcast, man, this kind of takes some work for us. Learn all the rosters. I know it's, it's been, it's been too easy. Really. Whenever, you know, all of the guys as they rotate through junior, senior, 
it could be hard to keep it straight with the portal and the COVID year, like who's going to be back and who's not. But yeah, hey, content, right? Easy content, getting up to speed with all of our new uh, conference opponents. So uh, it is a bit daunting, but it's going to be fun. We'll, we'll all learn together, man. It'll be fun. It's going to be fun, man. I'm, I'm so excited. That would but... be cool to do like a, a little intro uh, podcast for each, each team, have someone on and just catch us up. What's going well, on there? Yeah, like, hey, what do we need to know? <laughs> you know? Right. Like, hey, if our fans are coming to a game there, what do we need to know? What 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 do we avoid? What do we want to do? Like, we'll we'll uh we'll do a lot of that stuff moving forward. Once, especially once that schedule, uh, once we have that schedule for twenty twenty four. But the last thing I wanted to hit with with the SEC news, did you see Switzer's comments in the Tulsa World? Yeah, I did. He's the best man. I mean, he's we we got to get the king on here. Uh, I know that we we've been saying that for a while, but. I think I I don't think anyone anyone that knows Barry Switzer, the man speaks his mind. Like there is, there's no doubt about that. But I I saw what he said, and here are some of the quotes. Uh quote, I'm concerned. I know what it'll look like. It'll look like we're playing Texas every bleeping week. He also added, You've got to be good. I don't know if we're good enough right now. We'll have to get better on defense. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think anyone – I was surprised that people were surprised by what Barry said because, I mean, we just we just saw this program struggle in the Big 12. The SEC is the best conference in all of college football, yet you got to get better. The roster has to improve. We We've been talking about this, like the overall level of talent on the roster. It just has to get better. So I – I was surprised that some people had such a strong reaction to the King's comments. I I, I don't know why. It's like, yeah, duh, you have to get better. I I don't know why people had such a strong reaction to that. Well, I don't know. I think um, is I it think one? Is it because right? it kind? He almost made it sound like going to the SEC is a bad idea. <laughs> like that's that's yeah. how it kind of comes off. Yeah, it well, it did because you know one of the other quotes was, you know, in a couple of years I'm gonna I'm gonna be asking you know whoever may, is responsible for this move raise your hand, right? And I, I, I think I agree with pretty much everything that he says. I mean, you do have to get better. You got to get way better on defense. We got to get better on offense. You know, we got there's not a portion of our our team that doesn't have to get better. It is going to be more difficult. The schedule is going to be more grueling. We're going to be playing teams that look like Texas as far as what the athletes on the other sideline are going to be looking like. Absolutely. I guess my difference is I think that Oklahoma is going to rise to the occasion. I think the future is bright. I think that I think that this is going to – uh, this is going to give us the juice, the energy that the programs needed, a new challenge, right? Um, I, so I'm excited for it. And I believe that we're going to be saying in, in a couple of years, raise your hand, who's responsible for this move? Uh, let us know because it's been amazing. That's what I think. I, I, I truly believe this. I don't think a Big 12 team is ever going to win another championship in college football. 
and that may be, and maybe I end up being wrong about that, right? We just saw TCU playing the national title game. But we all saw TCU playing the national title game and what it looked like against Georgia. Mm-hmm. I think because that the standard for this program is is not to get close. It's to go win the whole damn thing. And as as we continue to watch, you know, see Bama and Georgia, those types of team up close, Ted, it became very clear to you and I, now whether we said it out loud on the radio broadcast or not, that's a different story. It, it became very clear how wide the gap was and that the gap was continuing to get wider. And I think if the standard for Oklahoma football is to win the whole damn thing, this was the move that had to be made. It it had to be made. And are there going to be some rough patches and some down seasons? Absolutely. Right. That's going to be life in the sec, but I think there are also going to be some high points and this move. If Oklahoma football wants to win a national title, it's what you had to do because making this move and being able to go to these top recruits around the country and say, Hey, we play in the best conference in all of college football. You'll get to play against the other best players in college football and you'll get drafted high in the NFL draft. I, I don't know. I, I wish Barry would have said something along those lines, right? Yeah. Because that's the damn truth, man. I, I really don't think, especially with what the Big 12 is going to look like once OU and Texas leave, I find it very hard to believe, especially with an expanded playoff. That's also something I wish Coach Switcher would have mentioned. Like, hey, this thing, it's about to get harder. You got to win three games now, not two. Yeah. To win the whole damn thing. And... To, in order to do that, you got to run through Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. You know, it seems like USC is headed towards that level as well. Like, that's what it's going to take. You got to have the level of talent and the depth on your roster and the coaching and everything in place to run through that grind. We'll never know, but I don't think OU is going to do that as a member of the Big 12 Conference. And nope. that's not to that's not to put any doubt on Coach Venables or that staff or the program as a whole. I just the gap was wide, man. It was wide. And this is this is how you close the gap. Yeah. Well, if you think about just kind of look at the transition. So um what was the first year of the Big 12? Was it 96? 96 or 97, right? Yeah. So you had Nebraska won a championship in in 97. Um, Oklahoma won it in 2000. Nebraska played in it in 01. Oklahoma played in it in 03 and 04. Texas played in it and won it in 05. Big 12 was right there in the mix in the early 2000s every single year, right? What, and would, a lot of, what would you know about that, dude? Come on. <laughs> and a, a lot of people at the time said the Big 12 was the best conference in college football during that, that time. Well, since the last time a Big 12 team has won a championship, there's been five SEC teams win championships, and 
I think four of the five have won multiple championships since then. So I that's where it is right now. And the the move in 12, the realignment in 12 made the conference weaker. It's it made it more difficult to get back there. And you know, TCU made it back, but I don't think I don't think there's anyone out there that realistically believes that I'm not saying it's a fluke that TCU made the national championship, but it's a, in my opinion, it's a one-off year, right? I, I don't expect TCU to all of a sudden become like a Clemson. I don't think that that's going to happen. So it, it just, it, it had to happen. If you want to win a national championship, you had to be a part of the SEC because of all the benefits that comes with it. It's not just money. It's recruiting. It's, it's perception of what your program is like all the sec teams use the fact that Oklahoma and Texas were in the big 12 against us in recruiting. If you go to this school, just look at the draft numbers, look at the NFL, the players are coming from the sec. They're not coming from the big 12, especially on defense. That's where they started to kill us in recruiting. And that perception became reality and that reality, you can you can love a school all you want, but if your chances to go to the NFL are this much greater, if you go to SEC school, that's where you're going to go. I'm with you, man. The program, the roster, it may not be good enough right now, but making this move was the only way that they're going to get good enough. Yep. So I, I love Coach Switzer. I saw a lot of strong reactions to all his comments, but I continue to maintain that this was pretty much the only way for OU to try and win another national championship. Like I just, and I know that I know they got close a couple of years, but the, the expanded playoff is also one thing I think people continue to maybe ignore a little bit. Like you, it, the game has changed, man. I mean, it is, it has changed. So I, the move is coming, Ted. We know we can mentally prepare now. There's a lot of football to be played in 2023. And we're, we are going to, we're going to attack that season with a lot of excitement, but SEC's coming, man. It's coming. And I, you know, I think that, I think our roster is going to be in a good spot. Do I think that we're going to all of a sudden come in in 24 and win the SEC in the first year? I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's likely, but I don't think it's ridiculous. Um, I think our roster today is drastically better than it was a year ago today. And a year from now, it's going to be better than it is at this moment. And I fully believe that. And it's already, it's already good. I, when you look at the, just the rankings of our athletes, the guys on our sideline, I, I know the results have not been good recently, but there's good players there that need development and are getting development. I, we have a, we have a much higher ceiling with the players on our roster than than some other places, but and it needs to continue to improve. And I think it will. Yep. I, I'm with you. I want to get your thought on one thing. I, I made a bet 
with Holly Rowe a while back, right? When the OU in Texas to the SEC news got leaked by AM. I have a thousand dollar bet with her that OU will win the SEC in its first 10 years in the league. I feel very good about that. Now it's not going to be easy. How do you feel about my position in that in that wager? All they have to do is win the league just once in 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 the Sooners' first 10 years in the league in football. Yeah. I think that's yes. If they don't win it in the first 10 years, they'll never win it. Okay. So, I I don't know if that made me feel better or not, but here we are. I well, I, I feel good about it. It's just like it's a $100 bet each year. That's the way I look at it. I think it'll happen a lot faster than that. I like that. Well, now, see, now you're making the, me feel better. Well, here's the thing. Like, you you have to take advantage of the bump. The, you're going to get a massive influx of attention on the program. The fan base is going to be coming in. Donations are going to ramp up. Recruiting's going to ramp up. You have to take advantage of all that when you have the opportunity. And that's when it's going to be – that's whenever you're going to have your best chance to to win the SEC is right away. If you don't take advantage of all that whenever it happens in that big burst, it's way more dif- difficult to do it incrementally. Ask Tennessee, ask Florida, ask anyone that's had to try and rebuild from the ground up after they've lost that that big wave of momentum, it's just it's not nearly as easy. I hear you. Okay. Other OU thing I wanted to talk about, and it's hard to believe, NFL Combine's in two weeks. From fast, I mean, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it's almost here. Got seven Sooners that got the invite. Eric Gray, Anton Harrison, Marvin Mims, Wanye Morris, Jalen Redman, Michael Turk, and Braden Willis. How are we feeling about that invite list? Any any snubs, right? No Deshaun White, no CJ Colden, no Chris Murray. I I was a little surprised CJ Colden didn't get the nod because he's got, I mean, he's got some solid measurables and played some good football down the stretch for them. Uh, not overly surprised about Deshaun and Chris Murray not getting getting the nod because it, it's a measurables league, right? That's it, that's what it is, but any anything surprise you about that list of guys? Uh I'm I guess I'm with you a little bit on CJ Colden. Um I think it's probably about right. You know, I the way that we typically see it go, you know, your your guys that have been been starters and like are on the list of like stars, maybe guys that are towards the top of the the group in, in your conference uh, at the position group. And then maybe some guys that there's maybe there there's, there's a, a bit of dialogue behind the scenes that there's, there's more potential there than what we've seen on the field so far. We need to get these guys in and see what they look like measurables wise. And I think that would be like a, a Jalen Redmond type of guy. The rest, I think, I think it's pretty standard about, about where that, that line was drawn. But I don't think it's I don't think it's a big issue. Like if you're Deshaun White, it would have been a good opportunity to get in front of some NFL teams. But I mean, we know Deshaun White's not going to go run a four four forty, right? Uh, he's not. Uh, if I was Deshaun White, I wouldn't want to go to the combine. 
I'd want to do it at pro day. You know, I, I think that there's, there's plenty of eyeballs there. And even if people don't see you, those numbers are going to be passed around the league pretty quickly. Yeah. And, and when you kind of compare it, the seven invites, you know, Bama's got 13, Georgia's got 12, uh, Florida, LSU, Michigan, TCU, TCU's got nine. So they're not, they're not that far behind kind of these other programs that produce a lot of NFL talent. But one of the interesting things, I was looking at the list of all the schools and it's like, man, OU's pretty high up on that list. And I was like, oh, seven guys, one for every loss on the season, <laughs> which it, it, I, I said it to myself. It made me laugh, but it also made me really sad when I said it to myself. Well, everyone else has looks like one for every win. I guess we do too. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I'll it, tell you, you what's interesting though. I if you think about all the guys like that TCU has and that Bama and Georgia, I, one of the massive things that we were lacking on this team is experience, and this is about like that's it. You know, there, there's some names on, but outside of that. Pretty much everyone else is back, and I think that is is something as that's a big positive. Looking forward to next season. I got a I got a little trivia question for you. Okay, just because we're we're starting to starting to kind of dial in on the twenty twenty three season, right? Which Sooners still in the Big Twelve, people. Let's let's not lose sight. We we want the Sooners to run through the Big Twelve, make the college football playoff, go win a national championship in twenty twenty three. Come on, let's go, TCU had the most invites in the big 12 to the NFL combine with nine. Mm -hmm. OU is actually second with seven. Would you like to venture a guess who has the second most invites to the NFL combine in the big 12? Tech. Tech. Shockingly two, two invites. Now, one of them is going to be a top 15 or so pick when you look at Tyree Wilson, but yeah, all he's doing is the picture. I think. Yeah. So, so how about this UCF only one invite West Virginia tech, Oklahoma state, Kansas, and Baylor all only have two Houston and BYU three invites, Kansas state and Iowa state four. The Longhorns have six. And how about Cincinnati? Cincy, huh? Checking in with six. Okay. Hmm. Or maybe Texas had five and Cincinnati had six. But I remember seeing it and going, Cincinnati, right behind OU. I, and it just made me realize because what they had like nine guys drafted or something like that a couple of years ago. Yeah. After the after the playoff run, and they got another six. And I was thinking one of those things, like maybe Cincinnati's a little more talented than I realized. Yeah, I I think that they probably are. Now, are they going to be able to keep that up? Now, they lost Fickle, but you got to imagine joining the Big 12 has to help give those schools a bit of a boost in, in the caliber of player they've been trying to bring in. Yeah, you would think. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys, what was the most important thing that happened this week for Oklahoma football? And th this is an interesting answer. Because I, we just, we haven't seen it before. And it comes from Sooner Driver. He said, mid-season enrollees and freshmen being made available to the media. 
Got to think this is sending a message to players, fans, and recruits that immediate opportunities to contribute to the culture and on-field success is there for everyone. Did you see what Eric Bailey put out that yep. Venable said Thursday? It's like all the new guys available for the media. We have never seen that around here. No. Um, I think it's I think it's good. I think the timing of it is good, right? Um, before spring, before like get these people excited about some of of the like get them get the fan base to where they know know some of these names are excited about some of these players before spring gets kicked off. So maybe have some good spring ball attendance. Um, get those guys to where they feel like you know they are a part of it. Right, that they're see their name in the newspaper, see their, you know, hear their name being talked about out there. I think it's, I think it's important, you know, and I think the timing also is good that it's not, it's not like during training camp or the week before the season starts to where maybe a freshman says something that because he doesn't know as much, maybe says something that that makes it onto a bulletin board somewhere. You do it in the spring. I think it's, I think it's easy. I think it's. It's safe as far as guys not saying anything that you don't want them to. I'm shocked it hasn't happened more. I'm with you. I I think one thing it does, or two things, it lets the fan base know these guys quicker, which I, I do think is important. Uh, there's a lot more movement in college football now. I continue to believe that any way you can create an emotional connection between your fans and your players is a good thing. I think you want your fans feeling like they know those guys as much as possible. I, I think that creates a connection that can get a little lost right now with how the sport is operating. Right. I certainly think that about college basketball. So I, I think it's a good thing. Let these guys speak publicly, let the fans hear them, let the fans react to it, you know, get in their Twitter mentions, that whole thing, like, and let them feel the love and support of the fan base. Like, I, I think that's an extremely positive things, positive thing for everyone involved. And the second thing is, man, it shows that you trust these kids. Like that, that's my thing. If, you know, I, and a lot of these guys haven't played, played it down they won't play it down for a while right when you think about some of the early enrollee freshman guys but i think showing them i think venables and the staff said hey i trust you to speak publicly i i don't know i just i i like the message it sends to the players yeah i i really do i think it's like hey you're not a little kid man i i can trust you to speak out loud <laughs> like i I, I don't think uh, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. And if a guy says something stupid, I also really don't care. Like if a guy says he hates Texas, oh no, I'm shocked. Didn't see that coming. But I just think showing that trust, it sends a message to those kids. And it's also, let's be real, it's with, with the NIL era and all that stuff, you, you can use it as a recruiting tool saying, hey, look, we we let freshmen, we let we let these young guys, these newcomers talk to the media, right? And that gets your face and your name out there publicly and businesses see all that. I, I think I, I just don't see anything really negative that can come from it, Ted. No. 
like the last thing I've got on it is there's also a demand for it. It is, it's a, like you put out graphics, non, why they put out graphics on everything that happens. It's because they want to generate interest and, and engagement in the program, right? With the fan base, get new fans interested, maybe spark something with the recruit somewhere. This is like, this is free advertising. Whenever you make all of these guys available, every, every media representative, whether it's television, print, uh, podcast stuff, like whatever it is, everyone's going to be there covering it. And you get to spread that out everywhere and get all kinds of engagement. It's free advertising for the program. That's what I'm saying. I'm shocked that they don't do it more. I think, I think it's smart. Yep. Uh, the other response we got for the call your shot question was from okay, Dave three. And he says the awarding of scholarships to the five walk-on players, boomer center. Did you see the video, man? That's the, that that's cool. the good stuff right there. That was cool. Yeah. Whenever he, uh, whenever he reached in and pulled that out and read that it said you're on scholarship to see the other guys in line, kind of like perk up a little bit, like, Oh my God, that, that was cool. Yeah. So cool. what it was Zach Schmidt, Gavin Freeman, uh, Josh Plaster, Pierce Hudgens, and Major Melson. Congrats to those guys, man. That is awesome. They are it, it's simple. Rewarded for the hard work, man. That's how that's how it should be. So that was uh that was cool to see. And there's the the walk-ons getting scholarship videos, those those are way up there on the list of best content in college football, man. Way up there. Love yep. those videos. They're good. They're good. That's a fairly recent. Dill, I was trying to – I that never happened when I was in school. Now, I know walk-on guys got put on scholarship, but that it was never like an announcement in front of the team, which has to be awesome. Did did one of those happen when you were at school? I'm trying to remember, man. I don't – you know Bob. Bob wasn't – I mean, we played for the same guy. He wasn't – if it's happening, he wasn't to make it a big show out of it. That's for sure. Right. Like in yeah. the content game wasn't as important as it is now. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. But yeah. congrats to those dudes. All right. Birthday shout outs. Welcome to the world. Lennox Lucia Cole. Welcome to the world. Owen Ray James. Happy fourth birthday to Hudson Liam Talbert. Happy seventh birthday to Liam Kingfisher. Happy ninth birthday to Colin Nader Hollingsworth. Happy 22nd birthday to Logan Harper. Happy birthday to Jim Kaltenbacher. Happy birthday to Tracy Kaltenbacher. And congratulations to Hannah and Mason Whitlock on the news that Hannah is pregnant with their first child. Let's go. Very Congrats, nice. guys. Congrats. All right, let's let's recap the Super Bowl. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Yeah, you heard me correctly. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Loves Connect app also unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, 
Be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore. I had to keep that in. They didn't want uh, it in. I kept it in. I love it. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And I'm uh, I'm starting to get feedback. People seeing the new gear out in the wild and uh, asking how they could pick it up. So don't forget the uh, the new gear has dropped. Yeah, new merch. Don't forget to use the promo code TED, T-E-D. All right, let's talk some Super Bowl. Man, so obviously I went to the game, sat with Creed Humphrey's parents. It was an amazing experience and We'll do a little weekend recap. It was a three-day grind, dude. <laughs> but what'd you think of the game? Uh, one of the best we've ever seen. I Did the defensive holding call ruin it for you? It didn't ruin it, but it it changed the ending big time. I, I, I think the Chiefs would have won, um, but... It did. It did take away the opportunity for Philly to go down and try and answer. Um, I. It didn't ruin it, but it did rob us of what maybe would have been a thrilling into it. But it was still a fantastic game. What's crazy to me is how fast the game was. The coin toss was at like five thirty-five, and they had like a feature-length film in the coin toss. So I don't know what time they actually kicked off, but the game was over at like 9.15. The game was fast, man, including a 30-minute halftime. Well, it's because the Eagles went on some just ridiculous drives, man. I know it. Just what was converting that one on third and fourth down. 17-play drive, longest in Super Bowl history. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a great game. I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. So big brain on Jarek McKinnon, right? laying down and I, I know that that probably made some people that had a McKinnon anytime touchdown prop bet very very angry and it did I'm not gonna say it robbed us but it it certainly took away the chance of a much more dramatic ending to that football game if the Eagles wouldn't would have gotten the ball back I do not know the rule on this but why if you're the Eagles and and I've never heard of a team practicing this either, but because McKinnon kind of pauses right before he goes down, why not just pick him up and put him in the end zone if you're the Eagles? It is that against the rules? I I, I don't know, but no. if if I was a team in that situation, that is what I would I would I would have my linebackers like trail him and physically pick him up off the ground. And go and put him in the end zone and, and basically score with him to where we got the ball back. And people would freak out. 
they would say that's that's not how the game is meant to be played. I get that, but it's the Super Bowl, man. You got to do what you got to do. So that's I I didn't know. Is that against the rules? No, it's not against the rules. Um, I think it's one of those things where it's such a rare circumstance that it it just it, it's not practiced, right? When you relay in, let them score. I think the players assume just like kind of give up on the play. It shouldn't be let them score. It should be relayed into the Mike Backer. Make them score. Make right? them score. Make and, them score. And it's not like Philly doesn't have the guys, right? This is what, and I was talking to Creed's dad about this in the stands. I was like, hey, they should have told and Sue and Fletcher Cox, go put that guy in the end zone. Pick him up and put him in the end zone. I just, I didn't know if that was against the rules. I I, I wasn't sure what, but that that's what was going through my head. Is like, don't let him take a knee. Don't let him give himself up. Go and put him in the end zone. Yeah, no, that that was interesting, and I you you hope and you always see right there that little hesitation by the running back. They're like, my whole life. My all my instincts have told me to just go put this thing in the end zone right here, and this is in the Super Bowl. Uh, it's hard to fight against that and and go down. But you know, heads up from from the Chiefs. Like, there's a lot of communication going on right there. That not only do they is Philly saying we need to let them score. Kansas City is saying they're going to try and let us score. Don't go in the end zone. So there's there's a lot of back and forth going on there and. Credit Kansas City for being able to – they executed the end of that game flawlessly. Whatever you think of the of the defensive holding, I after that happened, they executed it as perfect as you can. Yeah, and really, Philly's defense, they, they couldn't get stops in the second half. Yeah. Right, and credit, credit to that Chiefs offensive line. They, they heard all the chatter. In the two weeks leading up to that game, and they played an awesome game, man. I mean, they they controlled the line of scrimmage, no sacks for the Eagles, and not only that, Chiefs ran the hell out of the football. They did, which I I didn't know if that was going to be able to happen. And now, credit to Andy Reid and to Eric Bieniemy, that run game was dialed up, man. Different variation. I mean, zone, gap scheme stuff, speed sweep. Like, they had a little bit of everything in there. Eye candy on all of it. Like, it was it was really, really good stuff and very diverse. But, yeah, the, the Eagles defense, just, they couldn't get stops. And that was supposed to be the strength of that football team, really. Yep. Like, and, and now their offense line, probably, probably the strength, but that was supposed to be the difference for them. That was supposed to be why they won because they had that defense and Kansas city didn't. And the chiefs offensive line and that Mahomes guy, he's pretty good. <laughs> he, they're like, we, we don't care about your defense. You're not going to stop us. And when they had to get a stop, they couldn't get it. Yeah. Well, I think it really comes down to three plays. Uh, and if it wasn't for these three plays, I think not only do the Eagles win, but I think the Eagles win probably going away. The fumble recovery for a touchdown. Massive play. The punt return down inside the inside the five. 
and then the defensive holding. But maybe if those other two don't happen, maybe the defensive holding doesn't even matter. Um, I think those two, like that's where the whole the whole game totally changed, and Kansas City just got that wave of momentum, and you couldn't slow them down. And yeah, I I think the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs are the heroes of the day. Um, the job that they did, they were physical. You saw a bunch of those those just kick out blocks and pancake blocks, and uh, you know Creed did uh, a great job. They they had some, you know, I think Philly probably, uh, maybe I did. Whenever the ankle was bad, and Mahomes went into in at halftime, like I was like, he ain't. There's I don't know how he's gonna play again. He came out looking like a new man. He looked better in the second half than he did in the first. And I think that Philadelphia changed what they were doing up front a little bit to say, hey, take the take the safety off. Take the governor off. We're coming after this guy. And they were able to use that to to get some big windows in the running game that that you know were converting some big plays for them down the stretch. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever drugs that man got at halftime, like Ooh. the dude was skipping in between plays in the second half. I was looking at it like he is feeling fantastic out there. And clearly the big scramble uh, on, on that last drive, that was one of the biggest plays in the game. I thought was his, but it, I think Philly was down one at the time. I saw Orlovsky break this play down and I said something very similar uh, watching the game live. It was third and two. Chiefs bring a six-man pressure. Eagles have six guys in blocking, and, and they bust. Willie Gay's free, and Hurts has to throw it away instead of hitting A.J. Brown right in the middle of the field. It's like third and two, and I, I was sitting there going, why aren't they running the ball? In that situation, all game long, they'd been converting, whether it was third down or fourth down. I honestly was a little surprised they just didn't get their little rub, rugby scrum and run yeah. it for two yards. They'd been able to do it the entire day. So I thought that was an interesting play call in, in that situation. And that that got the Chiefs off the field. But Andy Reid's getting a ton of credit for for some of the goal line stuff, you know, the low red zone stuff where guys are, you know, what one was Kadarius Tony, the other one was Sky Moore. Uh, <laughs> did you see the clip? He was like, it's called corn dog, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is amazing. But and he deserves credit because you're forcing the defense to communicate, Ted. But, I mean, you know as well as anyone, you just can't bust there defensively. No. Like Those are busts. You can, you can give Andy Reid and the Chiefs all the credit in the world, but the communication has to be better. You can't, you can't leave guys wide open down in that area of the field. You just can't do it. Can't do it. And the communication, like, this is where – this is where film review and just understanding like being able to speak the language of your defense has to come in. Like the communication has to already be basically factored in. It's almost too late. Like you have to communicate all pre-snap after that. It all, it's all so quick. Everyone has to know exactly what they're supposed to do. And you just, you can't afford any mistakes at all. It's so, so tough. The spacing is so small. Yeah, that was uh that was that was a that was a strange little bust that you saw there. That's not something you typically see from from Super Bowl teams. Right. Listen and to then, this stat. I thought this was crazy. 
So the Eagles in the Super Bowl passed for 300-plus yards, rushed for three-plus touchdowns, had 35-plus minutes of time of possession, converted 60% of their third downs, went for it on fourth down multiple times and converted all of them. No team has done that, all of that, in a game, regular season or postseason, since the Bengals did it December 17th, 1989, in a game that they won 61-7. to That's unreal. (laughs) That's unreal. And they lost the Super Bowl. Hertz was awesome. Yep. Except for the fumble. The the fumble was clearly a massive play in the game, but even, even the fumble, they bounce back immediately and they take a 10 point lead into the half. I, I I don't think you could now clearly giving up a scoop and score is not ideal. I understand that, but how much better can you ask a guy to be who's playing in his first Super Bowl? It's the biggest game of his entire life. And the, the argument could be made. He was the best player on the field. Like, not only what he did with his legs, but some of those throws, the couple to Devontae Smith, the ones to Dallas Goddard. Money. I mean, I was like, who is this guy? Yep. I, the, the argument, now Mahomes wins, so you're not going to say, hey, Hurt, Hurts outplayed Mahomes. Hey, Mahomes won the MVP. He's the one holding the trophy, man. I mean, it is what it is. But – that's got to be one of the best performances we've seen from a quarterback in a losing effort in the Super Bowl. Maybe the best performance. Probably, it probably is. Yeah, he was fantastic. And I don't see it changing. You know, he is. He's he's got mobility, and he uses it. But he is. He's built differently than most mobile quarterbacks that you see. He he is a big, strong, you know, he's built more like a backer than he is a quarterback. So I think he's he's got he's got more durability in in you know the the things that he does run in the football that I I don't really worry as much about him taking a big time injury. So I I think it's here to stay. I, I expect him to play at a high level for the extended future. I, I don't see any, I don't see it as a fluke. You've got a lot of weapons around him, man. Yeah. Now, if they, if they can keep that offensive line intact, I, is it Kelsey's last season? Is he done? Uh, Lane Lane is not young anymore, but I yeah. think he's got, he's got at least a couple more seasons left in him if he wants to play. But if you keep that old line where it's at, he got a lot of weapons around him, man. I I never thought he would be this. Yeah. I mean, hand up. I never thought he would be this. I don't think anyone did. Maybe him. That's about it. Uh, it was, I mean, what a performance in a losing effort. But Chiefs scored on defense, and they had, what, a 50-plus yard punt return? Yep. You have those two things in an NFL game? The the odds are in your favor, man. Yeah, if you score on defense, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is, but the numbers are incredible for winning. And 
they essentially scored on special teams too with that. I mean, down inside the five. So yeah, that those those two plays at the absolute difference. Which Nick Bolton, stud. A lot of people don't know his name. Uh, backer, inside backer from Missouri. Dude is a beast. Yeah, and Pacheco. A lot of people know that dude's name now. My goodness, yeah. he's he fun to watch. He is. He is. I, I will say watching the Super Bowl in person is great. But I really wanted more replays, man. Like I just it, it's it's just a different experience. Now watching it, I was and I as was much with- as you eat, I I imagine that in like a traditional super super bowl party, like you Bloodbath. Bloodbath. <laughs> right. <Yeah. that's- laughs> so it was different. Now I for everything I didn't eat, I drank enough beers with Creed's brother that I was I was feeling very very good. It was easy to get them, easy access. They were coming easy quick. to get them, and the best part about it, man, I didn't miss a single snap, not one, because in the concourse where we were sitting in section one thirty three, and like one section over, like up in the concourse, you know how bathrooms normally on the concourse are kind of like facing the main walk. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. There were two bathrooms like tucked back in a hallway, like on the sides. I think I peed like five or six times during the game. Nobody knew they were there. No one knew that. Never waited in line once. Awesome. Just was peeing freely, <laughs> grabbing beers on my way back to the seat. Like it was, it, it was awesome. And some of celebrating some of Creed's pancakes in the stands with his family. That was, I mean, it was so much fun. But, the, the one other thing that we haven't talked about regarding the game, it was just funny, man. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma State puts out that tweet bragging about how they were the ones that made the grass. And then <laughs> everyone and their dogs complaining about the grass and how bad the field was. It was, it was almost too perfect, man. And I have played a game in that stadium, right? We played the Fiesta Bowl there. The grass was awful then. I, I feel like anyone that has played there knew the grass was going to be awful. And it, it was, but it was just funny that Oklahoma State claimed the grass like, oh, it took us a couple years. We've made this fancy grass. And then guys just slipping and falling all over the place. Everyone complained about it. It was hilarious. I That was great. I thought it was hilarious. I don't know who said this, but I saw it on Twitter. And it was it was basically, does anyone else think it's funny? that a school that claims to be the number one like ag grass developer in the country plays on an artificial field like how funny is that like they don't even they don't even use their own specialty grass on their field pretty funny yeah no that's a good point i hadn't thought about that but yeah the i i know there are a lot of complaints about the field and i agree like you would in an ideal world, right? You play the Super Bowl on on a surface that's just a non-factor in the game, right? That's but grass is part of football. Slipping and falling in grass is part of football, and both teams are playing on the same field, man. I agree, and I'll say this: a couple of quick points. Uh, first of all, like it's a cool idea to do the whole grass inside the turf or inside the uh dome thing but it's way too big of a pain in the ass and the result is not very good just 
just lay some turf down in there and make it so much easier on everyone else. But number two, right, I always say that your cleats are a tool, right? And you have to know how to use them and you have to adapt how you're using them to the field that you're on. And I saw guys out there that were just fine. Did you see the the couple of moves that Scott, uh, the running back for Philly, put on some guys out there? He didn't have a problem getting his toes in the ground. So I I think it was I think it was maybe some guys not using the right cleats. And you know sometimes if you've got taller spikes in, if you've got screw ins, you've only got there's only like maybe ten cleats on the bottom. So the chance that you can get onto the side and slip out is is much is increased by a factor of you know a hundred you ha- and whenever you're trying to go as hard as you can like in the super bowl is whenever you typically start to like slip out and change your footwork a little bit i think there was some of that going on too yeah grass was a factor but both teams were playing on the same grass man so yeah. it, it is what people are like philly couldn't get a pass rush because of the grass really i mean really Come on, come on! Just just give the Chiefs' offensive line their credit. But I I will say this: found out some more details about what Lane Johnson was playing through. That dude's a stud, man, and he locked he he locked. Like, there's no doubt that dude should have had surgery, and he absolutely he he was incredible in the playoffs, and he was fantastic again in the Super Bowl. Like he. It's like you can just eliminate the defensive end that's over him. I mean, what he's become as a player is, I mean, it's stupid. Uh, I mean, that we came in together as tight ends in the same recruiting class. And now, like, he's having a Hall of Fame career as an offensive tackle. It's, it's awesome. And that guy is tough as hell. <laughs> I'll just say that like that. Here's the other thing. He's been, lo- he's locked people down the entire season while injured and he probably hasn't practiced in three months or more probably sitting over on the water cooler doing walkthroughs and going out on sunday and locking people down it's impressive man it, it is. is impressive okay just the quick re- weekend recap ted because i this is the first Super Bowl I've been to, like the actual game. And I I think I'm good with it being the only one ever that I go <laughs> yeah. to. Now, I, I say that not because it was bad, because everything went so smoothly, like suspiciously smoothly, that I think, like, I just don't think I can top the experience. So Friday night, we fly in. We, we end up going to a Super Bowl party with uh, one of my wife's friends. And we walk in. I'm wearing a hoodie. All these other people are dressed up. They look awesome. I'm like, I look like an idiot. Because we went to we went to a bar before. And I was like, I'm just, I had a hoodie and jeans on. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I look like an idiot. The, they're pouring drinks. And it's Johnny Walker and Don Julio 1942. Ooh. And I'm like, we are at the right party. So I, I'm drinking 1942 all night. They've got food everywhere. And then Ludacris, Jermaine Dupree, and Lil John come out and perform. And I'm like, what is happening? Right. That wow. like it was, and there was space. It wasn't crowded. It, I I was stunned. So 
and that's right in the wheelhouse. That's like, yeah. you know, 12, 12 years old to like college for me. I was, I was, I was in my bag, man. I bet that's awesome. How was the performance like in a small venue like that? Oh, oh, so good. So that's good. Awesome. I was getting it. I was absolutely getting it. At one point I was dancing on a couch. It was great. <laughs> it was great. And so we, so we had that and we were even talking about it on our way home. We were like, what? What, what was happened? that? And why were there not more people there? It was, it was, it was strange. Saturday, 16th hole at the waste management there at the Phoenix open. Dude, that place is a zoo. Now, once you actually get to the 16th hole, you're good. You're, you're, you're in kind of a, you're just in a mini stadium, mm-hmm. right? And there's, there's plenty of space, but getting there, I was walking over there and you're looking around. There's all of these people, some of them barely wearing clothes. And I'd kind of turned my wife. I was like, I think I'm too old to be here. Like, I feel like I'm too old to be here. <laughs> but then we got in, uh, met up with Lawan and Will Compton, uh, shout out to the bus and with the boys, the boys. And I kind of just tagged along with them all day long. Lawan was like, you're coming. I was like, okay. And we just went all around, met all these different people. Uh, there, Ended up in a section with a bunch of football guys. Saw Baker and Mark Andrews, uh, a couple guys. Uh, met the Bosa brothers. My God, they are exactly how you think they would be. <laughs> they are, they're a fun time. Yeah, but it was, it was great. And got in, got out. And awesome. And then Sunday, yeah, the Rihanna halftime show. It was super easy to get to the stadium. Yeah, the Rihanna halftime show. The game was amazing. Went to the Chiefs after party. Chain smokers, DJ Khaled, um, and Jason Derulo, who, by the way, I think is an Eagles fan. His hair was green for the performance. I was about to ask. So, like, for the celebration, I is that same celebration? Would that have been for the Eagles had they won? I I believe the party happens no matter what. Like, it's either whether you're happy drinking or sad drinking. Gotcha. But yeah, so we weaseled our way into the Chiefs after party and we're there till like 3 a.m. It was awesome. That just constantly hugging Blake and Creed. It was (laughs) like, it was an incredible weekend. It just an incredible weekend. And I almost the whole time was waiting for one thing that would like really piss me off about the weekend. Like there it is. It never came. Never happened. Never happened. No flight cancellations. No. Hotel issues. Nothing. Did you Hotel see Joe fine. Thomas out there? I did not get to see Joe. He was booked. Turns out you get elected to the Hall of Fame. They want you to do a bunch of scheduled stuff. Oh, man. But yeah. don't worry. We'll catch up eventually. But, yeah, it was awesome. That sounds I, awesome. So that's one of those things where, like, I I don't think I need Just to do it, it again. I'm good. It's the last, you hit the perfect uh, brushstroke on the painting. The note, it's done. No more. This is the example I'll give. I've been on one whale watching tour in my life. And we get on the boat and we are five minutes in and whales just (laughs) everywhere. Crisscrossing, swirling. It's like, what's the... Is it Prudential? What's the life insurance commercial? Who who does the... Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's yeah, Prudential. it's just like, dude, humpbacks left and right. And I'm looking around like, 
this doesn't seem normal. This lady's just like, I've been doing this for 15 years. This is the best whale watching I've ever seen. And I was like, okay, I'm good. One time. That's, that's all it. I need. I'm good. Yeah. That That's kind of how I feel about my Super Bowl experience. Uh, that's awesome. That's good. That's perfect. It was uh it was a good weekend, man. That I, I'm glad it the way it unfolded was awesome. Um, I wish we would have seen a little bit more of an organic ending to it, but other than that, I thought, thought it was a great game. I'm with you. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSS, AA athletics, where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? We got one, baby. OU men's hoops. Needed uh, it. Needed it. Yeah. Um, Sherfield was big. Uh, Tanner Groves was big. That was uh, that was exactly what they needed. Got off to a nice start. Uh, you know, first half was was it was tight ball game, uh, back and forth. You know, we had a, a little lead there, and they they closed the gap some on us. But second half, we ran away with it. That was awesome. That's exactly what that team needed. Hopefully, that sparked something there a little bit, and they can get on a bit of a run. It's going to be brutal though. Schedule is brutal. I think their remaining three road games are going to be really tough. You end with TCU at home, and I think what you got Tech at home as well. But gosh, that was that was a much needed win for those guys. I'm uh, I'm happy they got it. They they shot the ball well, and they took care of the basketball. Yep. Now it's it's obviously a make it make or miss game, right? That's basketball, but. They had been so careless with the ball over the last several games. Oh, they're just racking up turnover after turnover after turnover. And that didn't happen against Kansas State. They valued the ball. They hit shots. It, it's one of those things where you watch it like, why don't they do that all the time? Why don't they play that way? Why don't they play that crisp all the time? It, it was great to see but also in a weird way, kind of frustrating, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it is. I get that. Um, 
I for sure get that. You know, I I think this is this is one of the first times in a while that they've had more turnover or more assist than they've had turnovers. Yeah. And um that's critical, but man, this is this is a team that we've talked about it. The offense is hard to come by. It's it's difficult. So they're left shooting a bunch of jump shots and you kind of live by it, die by it. When you shoot almost 50% from three, you're going to do well. Whenever you don't and you shoot poorly from three, you're not going to do well. That's kind of where they're left, man. It's, uh, they don't leave themselves much, much margin for error, but can't complain about this one. Yeah. And I I will say I felt good at, like Porter Moser needed that. Oh yeah. Right. You you think about now he came out and strongly denied the Notre Dame rumors, right? Said he had no interest, said he hadn't pursued that, uh, said Oklahoma was his home. He said all the right things, right? Uh, about the fan base, the university, he said everything he needed to say, but you know, nothing speaks louder than wins, man. And, it was it was starting to feel for for whatever reason like some of the fan base was turning on him already <laughs> and and the Notre Dame rumors had really fueled that in my opinion but i don't know i just i felt good for Porta clearly feel good for the players you know they're the one out there making plays and getting that win but i don't know i feel like this allows Porter Moser to breathe a little bit yeah i, I it's got to be a huge weight lifted um Hopefully they can keep a little momentum going. Uh, did you see that stat? They, that's their fourth quadrant one win. More that was it more than Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke combined? Isn't that yeah. crazy? Wow. Yeah, it's nuts. Now, like I said, it's not going to get easier. They've got five conference games remaining: at Texas, Tech at home at Iowa State, at Kansas State, and then TCU at home. And, you know, it's tough, but it's opportunity. If if you can catch fire here down the stretch, maybe find yourself back on the, the good side of the uh, being in the tournament. Yeah. Probably got to go four and one. Going to have to put something. You definitely have to win both home games. Yeah. And, so. And. I mean, Adam, I think you're probably right. Not even counting for the, uh, the conference tournament. Uh, you, yeah. You're probably right. Probably got to win two of the road games. I I'm fired up about the way that they played against Kansas state, but I will say, uh, I think a four and one finish for this team is unlikely. Yeah, it is. Se- seems unlikely, but Hey, weirder things have happened. People. You never know. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Well, I I think both may end up being a winner in this thing, but I, just the way that it unfolded, I thought was was kind of awesome. The Raiders um, tried to trade Derek Carr out there. You know, he's owed forty million bucks, and you know they were trying to work something in a trade to try and get something in return for him. And he was basically like, no, uh-uh, no, that's not how it's going to work. You're going to have to cut me. I'm going to have to be an unrestricted free agent. And, you know, you're going to, you're not going to get anything in exchange. So I thought that that was uh, an interesting way for Derek Carr to do it, which is smart 
it's hard to turn down a guaranteed 40 million bucks. That's got your name written on it, you know, and all you got to do is accept the trade, but he's going to be fine as, as a unrestricted free agent at quarterback, which a quarterback of, of his caliber being an unrestricted free agent is it's, it's rare. Right. We just don't see it a whole lot. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see like, this is going to be a true, like a, a true test of what the market is like out there. You know, a lot of times whenever you're keeping a guy, you're not going up against other bidders out there. They're kind of guessing at maybe what the market is here. We're going to see what everyone's throwing at him. It's going to be really interesting to see what a guy of his caliber with his limitations but what does he pull on the open market? Yeah. Some people may look at it and go, why, why would he not want to get traded and get that 40? Those same people are going to see him get like a three-year deal for 90. Yeah. And they're going to be like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, right. and maybe that's, maybe, maybe it's more, maybe it's north of a hundred. I don't know. I mean, the quarterback market is, is pretty robust these days, but I, I, I will say this. Derek Carr and I went through the pre-draft stuff together we we went to the national football foundation thing together in, in new york city spent a lot of time together there and then he was one of the quarterbacks at the senior bowl with me he is one of the best people i came across in my nfl journey and i went a lot of places met a lot of guys he's one of them he's one of the most genuine dudes i ever met and i i'm just hoping that I'm hoping he ends up in a really good spot. And I, I wish that dude nothing but success. He's, he's an awesome guy. And that's what like, do, do I wish he would have played a little better for them? No, no doubt. But I also think there was quite a few things working against him in that organization. And I hope he lands somewhere and, you know, goes and wins a bunch of game and makes a ton of money because he's, he's that good of a dude, man. He's awesome. Yeah. No, he, I mean, he's – I think you know what you're going to get with him. You're, you're getting a high-quality uh, individual, a high-quality teammate, great locker room guy, a guy that obviously puts in all the work. You don't ever have to worry about any of that. Got a pretty good skill level too. Um, I mean, there's there's very few guys on the planet that can do what he does. Right? And everyone's always looking for a quarterback. And like, if, if you're on a team that's got a good roster, but – you know, you just can't find yourself up at the top of the draft to be able to go get one of the the hot young quarterbacks coming out of college. Like he's he's a guy that kind of bridges the gap. I think he can still have some success. We'll see. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. They're family owned and operated, and they've got nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are. John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. You buy a new or used car from them. All you have to do is get all of the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with components of your engine, transmission, drive axle or transfer unit they will cover the repair costs it's a great deal you can browse their entire inventory or find the john vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com 
And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with the Carolina Panthers. Man, Frank Reich is he's putting a staff together there. Yep. And but we'll see, we'll see if it ends up working out. Only time will tell. But he added a man I love, Jim Caldwell. Uh played for him in Detroit. Just a just a tremendous man that gets it. Right, treat treats players like true professionals. I just love the way that Jim went about his business when he was the head coach. When he was a head coach, and I, I just I, I think that's a really solid addition for Frank Reich. And I'm that staff he's put together. It's getting interesting, man. I think that's that on paper it looks like one of the best staffs in all of the in, in the entire NFL. Yeah, um, obviously Frank Reich's been around a long time, and so has Caldwell. Caldwell's been around, highly respected in all the NFL circles. So interesting to see what they do there. This league's about quarterback, though. They're going to have to have an answer at quarterback. Moving no forward. doubt. Uh, I also thought about going with baseball fans. Ted, spring training is here. Okay. And I am – I'm not a baseball guy. Now, I watch the playoffs. That's that's when I watch Major League Baseball. But we got new rules, right? The There's the no shift. You got bigger bases. I'm seeing pictures of bases all over Twitter, a little base comparison, right? Pitch clock. Uh the ghost runner and extra innings. You got all kinds of intriguing things for spring training baseball. How about that? And are they do they're doing the the balls and strikes mechanical, right? Robot? Oh, there is it robot umpire time? I I think. I'm pretty I don't know. sure. I know minor league did it and I thought they had success. And I thought the major I, I could be wrong. I don't want to say that, but you're still gonna have an up behind the plate, but I don't know. It's I could be wrong on that, but I think it, if if it's not this, it's coming quickly. Uh, I will say this. This is like the only time I've ever been a little interested in Major League Baseball spring training with all the I, – I just want to see a pitcher melt down because of the pitch clock. That's all I want to see. I want to see a guy lose it. I want to see a guy slide into a gigantic oversized base that's just huge. I know <laughs> it's not going to be that much bigger, but – I think I have pictured in my head, like, you know, like the, the, like the fat heads, like the bobblehead, like the huge hats that people are wearing around and stuff like that. That's what I'm picturing in my mind, but that's funny. But my, uh, my winner of the week, come on, man, golf, let's go. Tiger Woods is playing golf this week. Let's go. Yeah. Now we'll see how it goes, but Tiger giving it a go at the Genesis Genesis invitational there at Riviera. First time we've seen him in a PGA event since July. And how about this? Saw this on SportsCenter with SVP, which there was an Oklahoma breakdown shirt on uh, on that show not too long ago. I don't know. You buy the new merch, peopleopolisclothing.com, promo code TED. This is his first start on tour in a non-major in 844 days. Wow. That's hard to believe, right? Now, the car well, wreck, and remember, that years. was 
that was at this event. Like he's the host for this event, remember? Mm-hmm. But man, here's hoping that that ankle holds up. It's that right ankle he was saying that's really giving him trouble. But I'm really hoping. Uh, I don't know. I hope that he can put some magic together, man. If we can watch him on the weekend, I, I, I love what he said in his presser, though. He's like, I'm rusty, but. I've gone out and done some good things when I'm rusty before, and he said he's coming for that W. He's not there to just be there. So I I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm excited to watch Tiger Woods play some golf. I am too. I've been out of the loop on it for a while. Now, I know previously it was, the swing was fine, but the walking around the course is really what hampered him. Um, yeah. His gait is bad, and I don't know if that's gotten better, but it, it it seems like the previous rounds that he's played, Thursday, fine, not bad, Friday, okay, and then he starts to kind of go downhill with all the miles that he's putting on that leg. I mean, you can say what you want. I know it's not, it's not UFC and it's not football, but, you know, it, it is it is grueling in its own right with what you have to do out there and, um, I don't know. I think everyone, well, not everyone, but most people will agree that golf is much better to watch, more entertaining when Tiger's right there at the top. Yep. 204 Central on Thursday, Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, Rory McElroy. Let's go. <laughs> Let's is that a go. random draw pairing that they put together there? Just put it with his two best friends on the tour. <laughs> Uh, that's I, I cannot wait. All right, for my loser of the week, thought about going with Nick Sirianni. Losing the Super Bowl is the worst, right? I mean, it's especially for them to play the way that they did and lose, that's that's got to be tough. But then basically the next day, he loses his offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, right? Indianapolis hired Shane Steichen, and, and then Arizona hired his D.C., Jonathan Gannon. So, I mean, this is what happens when you when you have success in the National Football League. People want a piece of your staff, and he lost both coordinators like that, man. Yep, that's tough. That's brutal. Um, gonna have to figure out how to pick up the pieces and put it back together. But you know, there's there's a lot of capable guys out there, and I think they'll be okay as long as they keep the the majority of that roster together. I think they'll be all right. Yeah, but my loser of the week. Notre Dame. Mm. So they lose Tommy Reese, right? And remember, he is an alum. The dude played quarterback there. He loves Notre Dame. Marie turned down Brian Kelly to go to LSU Light. He had that speech, the whole thing. They lose him to Alabama. So you're looking for a new OC, right? If you're the fighting Irish. Utah's offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig, or Ludwig, as his ancestors probably said it. He seemed to emerge as Marcus Freeman's guy, right? It, there, there were some reports that Ludwig uh, was was their main target, right, to replace Tommy Reese, his offense coordinator. But then it comes out, hey, he's staying at Utah. And I, I saw that. I was like, that's strange. Like, he was their main target, and he's staying at Utah. But I guess according to multiple reports, Ludwig's buyout was the issue for Notre Dame. And the guy's buyout is like $2.8 million. And listen, I get it. 
That is a substantial buyout for a coordinator. I understand that. But you, if you're not hiring a guy because you don't want to pay the buyout, you cannot let people, you can't let people know that because you look like a poverty program, Notre Dame. You And people that go to Notre Dame, they carry themselves a certain way, okay? <laughs> you can't carry yourself that way and then be pinching pennies when it comes to a coordinator's buyout, okay? So, and I've always heard, and I've heard it from guys that played there. Like they don't like spending money on athletics. Like if they spend money on athletics, that they, they have to spend money on the academic side. Like they they want to do it equally. But I mean, you can't let everyone know that you wouldn't hire a guy because of this small buyout in the relative scheme of things. Like I feel like their only choice now, Ted, is that they got to go hire Andy Ludwig and say, "Hey, no, 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 never mind, you're coming." You're coming because they are getting roasted for this, and it's hilarious. Well, a couple of things like it, it, I think Oklahoma was in a bit of this rut or line of thinking for a while themselves to where it was, we don't need to do all of these other things, pay for all of these other things I because we're Oklahoma. People want to coach, come coach here because we're Oklahoma. I recruits want to come here because we're Oklahoma. I so you let your facilities you get behind and you get behind on like how much you divvy over to to your coaching pool to pay coaches and you know how many assistants and analysts you have behind the scenes. But like you, you just can't do that anymore. You one hundred percent can't. Uh, you have to pay to play the game. Um, the other part of it is, you know, I'm interested, like, it seems like it was very difficult for Nick Saban to get the offensive coordinator that he wanted. It looks like it's going to be difficult for Notre Dame to get the offensive coordinator that they want. Do you think, more coaches are are more willing to stay where they are right now with the looming 12-team playoff. I I don't know. Am, am I crazy to feel like we haven't seen as much jumping around? And when usually whenever you've got a job like Alabama open, like it's like everyone's climbing over one another to get that job. But it seems like everyone's a little more measured right now. It's interesting. Yeah, it, it is interesting, and I, I also think this is a factor. And, and I've I've talked to some coaches about this. They're looking they're looking to try to get to the NFL. Yeah, because of all the mess. Because coaching in college right now, and I say it all the time, I don't necessarily feel bad for the guys because they're making a ton of money, right? The money is how they're supposed to deal with the hassle. But, I mean, you look at a guy like Todd Munkin. He he wanted to get back to the NFL. And, and I think that if college football is going to continue to operate the way that it's going to operate, I, I think that, yeah, the expanded playoff, that's a good point. Maybe that keeps people 
And if the salary is close enough, right, there's also a quality of life component, all of that stuff. But I also think college football, if it continues to operate the way it's going to operate, that it's going to lose some really talented coaches to the NFL because you get to the NFL, man, and you got to worry about one thing. Football. Football. That's it. So, I I don't know. But Bill O'Brien – back to the NFL, Todd Munkin, back to the NFL. Now, those are guys that have NFL experience, but I, I think that may be a be a trend that we see. Now, the coaching salaries in college are huge, right? If, if you're, you're talking about head coaches and coordinators, we're seeing coordinators make north of $2 million. The People are always going to be willing to, to do the job for that amount of money. Don't get me wrong, but, yeah, I think there's a lot at work when it comes to that whole thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a, maybe it's just a sh- like a short term trend that's happening right now, um, but I don't know. I just the amount of reports of guys that turned down those jobs was 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 interesting. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how it unfolds. See if Notre Dame can get someone to come up there and take over the spot. Yeah, if. If two point eight million is too rich for Notre Dame, maybe they should get their ass in a conference and collect yeah, more no TV kidding. money. No kidding. Because I saw this and I do I text every guy I knew that went to Notre Dame. I was like, huh, poverty program, huh? How about that? And they all were like, Oh my God. The they're <laughs> Well, here's the other thing is I'm sure I'm sure Alabama paid Notre Dame buyout money for Reese's contract, right? And I have not, I've not talked to Tommy Reese about this, not to talk to anyone about it, but Tommy Reese loves Notre Dame, dude. Like this, just seeing this report and I have nothing to back this up. I want to make that clear. It made me think that Alabama made him an offer. Tommy Reese probably went to Notre Dame and said, Hey, this is what they're giving me. Match it, and I'm staying. And they said, "Hey, man, we'll see you later." Like, well, the, it probably wasn't even match it. It was probably just pump. Like, me hey, up get close. To, yeah, pump me up to to a little closer to what the going rate apparently is. And so. if that's why they lost him, the guy played quarterback there. I figure it out, Notre Dame. <laughs> figure it out, guys. On that note, episode 292 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Sunday. Uh, some some guy named Bob Stoops yeah. going to join us to talk about everything he's got going on. Uh, XFL getting started, Ted. So we'll talk to Coach Stoops about everything going on with the Arlington Renegades. So that that's should fun. that's always fun. And can't wait to get Bob's thoughts on – the move to the SEC and all that stuff for Oklahoma. I know that uh, some people may know he's he's had some opinions about the Southeastern Conference conference in the uh, in the past. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I you know I I I think this is a move that he I think he probably likes it. You know, I I, I can't wait to hear what he says about it. But I know he's not scared of competition. I, I think that you know he, he feels like the university's in a good spot right now. So I'm anxious to hear what he has to say. Yep. All right, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM, Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend.
And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Runner.